I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And today we're going to celebrate the 20th anniversary of a system we all know and love. And that's going to be the PlayStation 2. And I, Chuck, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I really can't either. It's been 20 years and a couple days at this point. We're a couple days behind the curve as of recording this. It really makes me feel old. Because we were back in seventh grade. Yeah, I don't think I got mine until eighth grade. I definitely didn't either. I got it sometime. Uh, my brother actually got it for graduating high school. So that would have been when we, uh, the year we graduate eighth grade. So uh, like May 02, I got mine. So it's a couple years later, but lots of good memories with the PlayStation 2. The library is ridiculous. Ridiculously large and ridiculously well-polished and just so many classic series just kind of were born, lived through, and continued. And some of them, unfortunately, even died that generation. And that and that's sad to see. But uh, if you were playing games at that time, it was just a cornucopia of experiences that uh, defined a lot of why I'm a gamer in general these days. Well, it was went through a lot of our defining years in general because I want to say basically it ran through our middle school through high school years. So we had Absolutely. a lot of free time at that time and a lot of a lot of time to game on the good old PS2. Yeah, and also this marked the first generation of consoles that I had a job which allowed me to buy games when they got released. Now, not all the ones I wanted, but from time to time I could. And that was kind of just like a new level of excitement for me as a, a collector and a gamer in general. Yeah, it's the one that kind of took us into, you know, adulthood-ish, at least in, into college. Because I think it lasted until basically 07. I think Persona 4 came out in 07, if I'm remembering things right. So had a good seven-year run. Yeah, it seemed like, at the time, it seemed like it was around forever. But that is pretty standard these days. Yeah, that's true. I mean, time just went so much slower back then than it does now. I guess the current consoles have been around since 2013. But it seemed like the PS2 in that generation was around, especially the PS2 more so even than the GameCube or Xbox, because they had the uh, new consoles launch, you know, a year or two before the PS3, at least it seemed like, or at least support. For the PS2 kept going another year or two longer than it did on GameCube and the original Xbox. But yeah, it seemed like it was around forever back in the day. And in North America, it got released on October 26, 2000. And I think it was, was it March 4th in Japan, if I remember correctly? I don't know yep. if you can verify that off the top of your head. I can, I can definitely verify it. It was March 4th, 2000. So we Which had, was a, a happy time for Sony fans. At the same time, it was kind of unfortunate for Sega fans. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, the Dreamcast got discontinued in uh, was it early two thousand one? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was around April. Yeah, March or April. Was cause afterwards, because that's I bought mine right when it got discontinued because the price dropped tremendously, and then uh, could afford it, which was cool. Good yeah, like, I think, yeah, mine was about a hundred bucks when I bought mine. Yeah, it was. It's either I was thinking either like it might have even been seventy nine ninety nine, and mine came with the Sega Classics Collection. 
Mm, I got the uh, Sonic Adventure and Sonic Shuffle combo pack. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> well, Sonic Adventure is good. Sonic Adventure Sonic was Shuffle. amazing. But yeah, Sonic Shuffle, uh, a waste of both of our times, at least one particular <laughs> afternoon. Yes. But back to the PS2. But yeah, it was a shame that the PS2 kind of put a nail in the coffin in the Dreamcast way sooner than it should have been. Yeah, that's for sure. But, I mean, we got a lot of good games for it, so I, I can't totally complain there. But obviously, as any Sega fan, I would love to have Sega get it back into the console race at some point. But I, I don't know. We'll let them stick to games for now. But the PS2 actually was the biggest selling console of all time still to this day, isn't it? I believe so, which is crazy. And I don't know about you, but it was also my first DVD player. Back in the day. It was everyone's first DVD player, because if I remember <laughs> accurately enough, because it did come out at uh, $300. I think at that point, it was still the cheapest DVD player you could buy. Oh, for sure. I mean, you could, I think you may have bought a crappy one for like two or 250 but I mean, at that point, you may as well pay 300 and get the actual PlayStation DVD player. And you actually had to buy the, uh, the thing for the remote separate, I remember. Oh, yeah, that's true. Little I never had dongles. The dongle that plugged in. That's a two-for-one combo that you can't beat right there. But, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, so the PS2, by the, by the end of its day, sold 155 million units. Pretty much yeah. unprecedented and only rivaled by uh, the Nintendo DS. I which really sold 154 million. Was it the 3DS or the DS? It was, I think it was the original DS. Yeah, because I, I think it's it sold just over 154 million. Yeah, I doubt it was the 3DS, even though that had a heck of a lifespan too. But it seems like there wasn't really mobile gaming, at least much going on during the DS lifespan, where the 3DS had to compete big time with the mobile market. So I know it sold a ton, but I don't think it's as much. Yeah, as no, the it, was, it was definitely the, it was definitely the DS, and then followed by the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. I don't know why they're counting those together. That feels unfair. Well, especially since, my God, those the Game Boy was out for like 10 plus years. Yeah. So 1989 and 1998. Um, and then PlayStation 4 uh, is in fourth place. <laughs> well, actually, PlayStation 4 and then the PlayStation and then the Wii in sixth. But Matt? So, so the PlayStation 2 at 155 million nintendo ds 154 and then the next highest Ooh. is the combination of the game boy and the game boy color at almost 120 so it, that is like a landslide victory for both yeah that's a that's a monster gap between those two and everything else then i didn't realize the ds was that extremely popular uh i wouldn't have guessed i would have actually guessed that the wii was higher up there because i, I remember so too how everyone had a wii like, well, people, everyone definitely had the Wii. That was just like the family console to own. And freaking nursing homes and everything else, the Wii was in there. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's very surprising. But kudos to the PS2. Totally deserves it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So what else can we say about that? Obviously, the DVD player, I think that was a big reason why it sold so many units especially in the beginning but obviously the, the the long lifespan of the console and the plethora of titles on it were the things that definitely put it over the top 
I do you actually know off the top of your head that the total catalog on the system? Because I think besides maybe the Wii, it has the most games per of any console. I think it probably even has more than the Wii, just because the lifespan. I don't know. The Wii did have a lot of shovelware. Yes, but I, it's it has to have a ton. I don't know the exact number, especially over here versus abroad. Yeah, well, that's true. I'm not expecting you to know that. Because I know Japan got a lot of stuff that we didn't get to. Story of our lives. Story of our lives. <laughs> not anymore. We all get pretty much the same stuff now, at least. Yeah. So a ton of good games, and we'll definitely cover those uh, more later on in the episode, because that's, the, that's what we care the most about, even though the console was pretty great in its own on its own merits. I, we got to talk about the DualShock controller. A slight upgrade from the PlayStation, the original PlayStation 1 DualShock, but that was already almost a perfect controller. Well, too, and like the PS1, they most games didn't really optimize it because the system didn't come with it until really late, the, the small PS1 model. Other than that, it was just an optional control for Ape Escape and stuff. But the That's PS2, of course, made standard and analog sticks. You know, it, they were a little... It was a good first outing. I mean, they've definitely gotten a little bit better since then. But, yeah, it's still a, a super solid control, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, from the PlayStation 1 DualShock all the way to the PlayStation 3 DualShock, very little actually changed outside. I'm sure there was some internal hardware updates there that made them a little bit more accurate. But that, The that's only thing I remember is... I just remember the sticks, like, because I... The PS2, I played a lot of, uh, a ton of NBA 2K2 with my brother, and the sticks on the PS2 just aren't as good as the sticks on the PS3 and 4. That's about the only difference. They're kind of, like, fat and rounded, and you can't really get a good grip on them. That's fair. Well, maybe you just played so much that you wore them down. That's possible. He did really did mash in the R1 button from hitting turbo in that game for so long. But oh, I believe that. It's possible. Yeah, but... We had those controllers so long, it's actually amazing that they lasted that long. That's a good point. Mine, I think I did go through a couple of them, but I mean, last time I checked it, everything still pretty much worked as it should. Yeah, I was just saying, I think, I think the only PlayStation controller that I've ever had fail on me was my original PlayStation 1 controller. And that's only because I think the, the left analog stick gave out and like... <laughs> it, it, it won't register like being in the default position, so it's all my characters are always moving left. There you and go. I had that controller. The that was like literally the only controller I ever had for that console, and the, and I bought another one because that one died. So I I've been playing endless hours of RPGs on the PlayStation One with that. So <laughs> that's a testament to how good those controllers are, especially when you take care of them. Yeah, they, they definitely hold up. PlayStation, that's one thing. I've had the, a lot of consoles die on me from PlayStation, but the controllers usually hold up pretty well. <laughs> I was going to say, was the only one that actually survived for you the original PS1? Uh, no, technically the original PS1 that Roy got back in 95 did... It eventually died, remember, I had to put the crown in there. Like, the, uh, the crown to play the import games and stuff. Oh, yeah, well, I remember that, that one. That one died? Yeah, that one did eventually die. I mean, it was already on its last leg at that point when I had to prop it up like that to play the import games. But yeah, unless the disc was absolutely 
spotless, like it wouldn't read it. So I don't think it officially died, but it died. <laughs> Fair enough. I think we may also need to, speaking of importing, maybe explain to the listeners, because this is the second episode in a row that you've mentioned the name Royd, which is the nickname <laughs> of Buck's brother, just in case <laughs> nobody knows that. Um, just in case you that's don't think very... some random person he's buying steroids <laughs> off the black market with. So. No, that's my brother with steroids in the black market. <laughs> but yes, that's who Royd is. And there's the probably a cast of characters we'll mention, you know, occasionally, and he'll probably be one of them that'll come in and out. You'll hear mentioned, name dropped on some episodes. For certain. <laughs> so moving on. So talking about obviously the controllers, those were those were great. What about the uh, the fortunate backwards compatibility of the PS2? You could play all your PS1 games, and you could even use your old memory cards. That was nice. And you could even like the PS2 memory cards had so much more memory. We could copy your PS1 memory cards onto it, and they barely took up any space. So you could have like a backup for your PS1 memory card too, in case it died. Yes, very true. And you could also use your old PS1 controllers on your PS2, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't remember that because most of my old PS1 controls didn't have the analog sticks, so I never really did that. But that could be true. I miss maybe shooting in the dark on that one, but I'm pretty sure I've done that before and it works. It probably probably does because I mean the uh, the analog PS1 control was pretty much the exact same as the the PS2 DualShock. And then you also can't forget, this was a, a particularly interesting time in gaming. This is when the music game genre kind of like, I'd say it hit its peak on the, the PS2. This is with Guitar Hero 1, 2, and 3, and DDR. Plastic guitars and dance pads were like normal, yes. especially in like dorm rooms of colleges. Like that, I remember what? Guitar Hero coming out when I when we were in college, and that was what well, came out when we were in high school at the end of high school. Well, I, I guess Guitar Hero two came out when we were in college. It came out the semester before we went because in that summer of '06 we all played a crap ton of it, and then we all went off to college after that. But yeah, it was... okay. Clearly, I forgot about all that and all of my memory of Guitar Hero <laughs> went straight to college. Yes, apparently. You're well, many, well, with you many, guys, many failures all I remember of Hangar 18. Well, I remember you failing yeah. Hangar 18 well, over and just, over again. Why would I want to remember that? I get reminded <laughs> of it so often I don't have to. So. But yes, there, like we talked about, I think, on another episode, that those came out just in the perfect time for us when we had you know, access to uh, lots of people, I guess you would say, and lots of people that had plastic instruments. Lots of people, and in college you have lots of time, depending upon what your major is. Exactly. Yeah. So th those were those were very socially acceptable games. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of DDR happening in college. No. I, <laughs> yes, I think we kind of missed the DDR Guitar Hero, and then I guess Rock Band was a year or two later, mainly for the next-gen consoles. But yeah, ton of Guitar Hero and Rock Band in the next few years. And then I think the last really like notable addition that the PS2 uh, brought to the table, outside of being Sony's first online console, so that that was cool. But also the optional addition of being able to put a hard drive in the back of your PS2. While this wasn't necessary for many games at all, the most notable one of 
of them all was Final Fantasy XI. And well, the only issue with us was we lived in a small town that didn't really offer much high speed internet at that time, so we were kind of screwed on that front. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I was still trying to, I was still trying to get my Dreamcast online. <laughs> with that good old dial-up, that that was utter failure. <laughs> So we missed out on that, unfortunately, but that is something really cool. I remember uh, SOCOM was just like Halo before Halo, basically. It was the first, you know, phenom shooter I remember people buzzing about. Yeah, definitely the first uh, tactical team shooter that people were playing online. So that was a big deal. Didn't We never experienced any of that ourselves, because like I said, we kind of grew up in a small town that didn't have a lot of... Uh, didn't really have high-speed internet at the time, but it's something that always sounded cool in magazines and stuff back then. Yeah, but, I mean, we didn't need it because there were so many other amazing games to play on the console. So we, I, I never felt like I was missing out. No, definitely not. There was a lot. It's got still probably the best catalog, I'd say, overall. And maybe that's just nostalgia talking. Any of the PlayStation consoles. I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, certainly, as we've talked about in previous episodes, some of the games, especially the way they look, and especially on modern TVs, they don't always look the best anymore. Uh, but I think, I still think the majority of them have aged better from a control perspective, just the way they feel to play. They definitely feel obviously more modern than PS1 games. Some of those tank controls and stuff are kind of rough, but. I, I think it's aged pretty well overall. The one other thing I'll mention, too, that I don't think gets talked about much, I think this was the first generation that I remember very much of there being, um, like, retro collections put together. Like, I remember the Capcom Classics Collection 1 and 2, um, the Sega the Sega Collection, the Genesis Collection, like, with Game Ground. I know the Mega Man Anniversary Collection was, yes, Game Ground. <laughs> Check it out, people, if you have it, because it's a yeah, classic. It, it, is, it is a good one. Yeah, yeah, the, the Taito collections and yeah, the yeah. Mega Man collections. And yeah, both Mega Man, the Mega Man X and the Anniversary Collection. Yeah, both those were crazy game changers back then because those games by themselves cost a small fortune. And then you have everything on one collection for like 40 bucks. That was nuts. Oh, yeah, it, it was fantastic. I, I bought several of them. I think I think the ones that I enjoyed the most were definitely those Capcom classic collections in the in the Sega Genesis ones. Yeah, I didn't play the... I have the SNK Arcade Classics Collection Volume 1, and I don't think I spent too much time with that, just looking at it on the shelf over here. Is that the one that had... Or is, am I thinking of also the, the one that's like got all the Fatal Fury games on it? Uh, this one has Art of Fighting, Burning Fight, Fatal Fury, King of Monsters, Last Resort, Metal Slug. Actually, it's pretty good. Now that I'm thinking about it, Samurai Showdown, King of Fighters 94, World Heroes, hopefully two. Oh, yeah. World Heroes 1. That's kind of oh, bad. Yeah, but Metal Slug kind of redeems it. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Well, I also think on the PS2, we actually eventually got the uh, Metal Slug anthology as well. I don't know if we... I, I guess we probably did. I just bought it on the Wii, which was a, a bad choice to buy much on the Wii. Yeah, that was a garbage it's choice. Available for anything else, but I bought it on the Wii. Hey, it was probably like seven bucks in a bargain bin. It happens. Either that or I just needed something to play. I don't think you needed something to play that bad. I mean, Metal Slug is an amazing <laughs> series, but... 
So, speaking of amazing games, I want to take some time to go over the launch lineup of the PS2. Buck, unless you have something else you want to add. I just thought you said speaking of amazing games, and I mean, there were a few good ones, but I don't know how many amazing games there were in that launch lineup. Well, there was 29. So there there was 29 launch games, so there was bound to be at least like five heavy hitters. I mean, that's impressive right there. The fact yeah, that they had 29, 29 games coming out. Oh, absolutely. I think normally you're looking at probably like 10 to 15 games at launch, even back then. I mean, 29 games is like the first three years of the Xbox One, so that's impressive. Very impressive. I will say, um, I, I think maybe I appreciate this lineup a little bit more than you do, but we've got the first official Dynasty Warriors game that plays like a Dynasty Warriors game. We've got Dynasty Warriors 2 at launch. The original was a fighting game. Buck, you and me were talking about that before the episode. I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually remembered it. Very impressive. Very impressive. We got actually a pretty solid 3D fighting game at launch. I actually like Dead or Alive 2 Hardcore. I think it's actually a pretty decent game. It is really good. The original came out on Dreamcast, and it was good. And I mean, at the time, too, those games looked super good. Dead, the Dead or Alive 2 and Dead or Alive 2 Hardcore looked, like, phenomenally good. Yeah, boob physics aside, Dead or Alive 2 was a pretty good game. Yes. <laughs> so, don't hate on it that much. And I and and when one thing I definitely need to bring up here, this launch lineup was monopolized by a a developer that obviously we hear endless things about now, but I knew nothing about at the time and that's from software. They had three games at launch for the PS2. Armored Core 2, Eternal Ring and Evergrace. Two of those games, most people have no idea what they are. Armored Core 2 is very good. Armored Core 2 is very good. Evergrace is actually pretty good, too. It's actually it's a third-person RPG, kind of a similar vein to what a Dark Souls game would be, just way less polished. Uh, and Eternal Ring is actually like a first-person dungeon crawler, much like their Kingsfield games. So those were those were games that weren't necessarily lauded at release, but it is interesting to see that one developer that everybody really loves right now, especially me, had three games. So that's cool. Yeah, games that you don't ever hear about. With I guess you do hear Armored Core mentioned a little bit with them, but otherwise you don't hear about the other two. Yes, I, I'm a big fan of Evergrace and uh, the follow-up, which I I can't quite remember what the title is, but it was pretty good. Amongst the release lineup for the PS2, there was also obviously your obligatory bunch of racing and sports games. Some of them that may be more noteworthy than others. It's like a new Ridge Racer game and SSX, which was a cool snowboarding game in its day. But there were that was also a big some, deal back then. Especially SSX Tricky was that the is that the big one? Yeah, that was, was the high point of the series, I think. Uh huh. Yeah. But some of my favorites that came out where Silent Scope was fun. That was also probably more fun in the arcades, but a cool addition. I enjoyed Summoner for what it was. That was a, a PC game originally, but that was kind of a cool third-person RPG. Street Fighter EX3, that was an interesting scenario. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> mm -hmm. You look at it, you read the back of the box, and you think this has got to be the dopest game ever. 
Because wasn't that like play. one of the very first games where you could play like two player co op fighting games? Yes, the first one I remember where you could play like two player, yeah, co op at the same time fighting game. You'd be like, not as fun as it sounds. No, it made it way too easy for one thing. Yeah, but I I don't actually think that game is that bad. It's just it, it's fun for what it is, but it's not a a good fighting game. Put it, that it was way. a good experiment. It just didn't turn out as well as it could have, I guess. Yeah, it was no Tekken Tag Tournament, let's be honest. No, it wasn't, which is also a launch game. Yes. Segway, segway. That was that <laughs> was probably... That was one of the very best fighting games for me on the PS2. I don't know about you. Yeah. We definitely played that oh, one. Absolutely. Well, that, that, that was actually probably the games. highlight of the Tekken series for me. That or Tekken 3? I mean, Tekken I 6, too, is still really good. Tekken's still going strong. With, I haven't spent much time with Tekken 6. Tekken 3 was great. Tekken Tag Tournament was just... I enjoyed it more because, obviously, we got to play it together. And a two-player tag system is always fun and hectic in all the dumbest... And crank, crank it up the difficulty to ultra-hard. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And you can't forget, you have to mention that the the nightmare of every a kid gamer when your <laughs> mom or your brother runs in the room, knocks the door into the power cable, and kills the game when you're like at the end of it. I don't know. Was that oh, was yeah. your brother that did that? Was that Royd? Yeah, that was Royd for mentioning. He gets another shout out. Perfect. Yeah, that was definitely Royd. <laughs> Kicked it right out. I think we finally, after about two to three hours, I mean, we've been grinding through. Because the game on Ultra Hard is ridiculously hard. Like, the computer basically reads your inputs, and we're not Tekken Masters by any means, but no. we could we should be able to get through it pretty easy. And uh, that's really hard, and we were at the final boss, and then, yep, just came and kicked the power cord. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I feel like we definitely went back to it, like, a few weeks later and actually finished it. But I know at that point we were just done for the day. We were definitely done after that. I know we finished it at least a couple times, too, at your house. I don't know if we picked it back up at my place after that. It wasn't safe. Be real. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. But uh, a classic indeed. Uh, another one that I really liked that I feel like has been forgotten in time, and this is no pun intended, which is kind of the game it is, but Time Splitters, and obviously that whole whole series, that was, for me... While I'm not a huge first-person shooter fan, that was one of my favorite multiplayer first-person shooters that I've ever played. Yeah. Time Splitters 2 was really, really solid. Yeah. I know a lot of people are still love that to this day, and a lot of people, especially around our age, that it was their first kind of introduction. I mean, it didn't have online, but it had the four-player split screen if you wanted to bust it out. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice transition from, like, if you had a 64 beforehand. Yes, and it played obviously way better than Goldeneye. And it was it was super quirky and had a bunch of fun characters and like different locations. So that was it was a there was a lot going on in that game, which was fun. I think you could actually make your own levels too. I, I don't quite remember. It's been a long time. It definitely had personality. Had a real tournament as a launch title as well. So you you had a you had a large swath of quality games in almost every genre here. Maybe minus a really good RPG. Pretty much what they're missing. Yeah. And there'd be there'd be plenty of those to come because the PS2 overall probably has the best JRPG lineup of any console, period. 
yeah, that's that's hard to that's hard to disagree with. And I mean, there's there's a bunch of other games that came out during launch, um, but I don't think any of them are are truly worth um, spending too much more time on. And I don't think either one of us had a ton of experience with them, so we couldn't quite do them justice. But after launch is where the catalog got huge, and where many many series were born. I, I want me and Buck to just kind of go over some of the ones that are really important to us, really important to the console in general, and just try to give them their due, even though a lot of these deserve an episode to themselves. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I'll, I'll start off, Buck, because I know that you don't care about this first one. But obviously, the God of War series was born on the PS2. And we've talked about it before, how I was hyped for it, and it came out, and I loved it. Loved the second one. Uh, not Buck's cup of tea. But I think no, he, not... I definitely think you appreciate why people like it, but it's just not your thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I bought the first one when it was the greatest hit. It was, it's just okay. I mean, I'm just not big on the hack and slash action. I do want to play um, the the reboot or whatever you want to call it, Dad of War, that came out on PS4. So I think that does look good, and I still haven't given it much of a shot because I didn't really care for the series before, but I can certainly appreciate the quality. It's just not really not really my thing. You know what I, I think would be fun? I also haven't played it being a God of War fanboy, also strange. We should do an episode where we both play Dad of War and review it as dads are ourselves. Could be fun. <laughs> I'm just saying. That, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. See if it's actually harder than being a dad. We'll see. Have my doubts. <laughs> but God of War, great franchise, great fan tri- Are those words? <laughs> great franchise. And if you want epic third-person action games, there's no better, no better in my book. Maybe besides the Devil May Cry series that also got born on the PlayStation yeah, so Two. Segue and a half. Yeah, there is a segue and a half. I know I skipped a couple there. I'll let you get back to that one. I promise you. Uh, Devil May Cry 1, 2, and 3. Definitely kind of a wave in quality there. The original Devil May Cry was a classic in its own right. Definitely one of the games that I was most looking forward to when I got my PS2. I'll probably talk about this a little bit more later. Devil May Cry 2 is a hot piece of garbage. And Devil May Cry... (laughs) And Devil May Cry 3 is easily one of my favorite games of all time. I love that franchise, and uh, the PS2 started it all. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have a list of franchises that got started in front of me here, but I'm just going to freehand this one. And I know the original Monster Hunter I have for PS2, and I'm not a fan of it, but I absolutely own it. And it got yes. started Yes, you do. And we played it a little bit, and neither one of us quite got it. We were burning meat left and right. I mean, yeah, we were balls. not good at that mini game. It's tough. <laughs> Anyone that enjoys Monster Hunter today, especially with like Monster Hunter World, don't quite understand where the series came from. It was it was tough back then. It was it was it was, <laughs> was definitely definitely a new type of game, and Capcom was certainly on to something. Well, we also couldn't go online with it, which is what it was made for, was going online. And I thought, back in the day, I thought it looked really, really cool. And I was excited to get it, and I got it. And yeah, no. 
Yeah, definitely. Not, the concept is dope, right? Yeah, I mean, they what they have now is what they kind of. I mean, the concept hasn't really changed a whole lot, but just back then, it just didn't play very well. Yeah, the the controls were kind of clunky, and if you've played Monster Hunter World. I feel like that's what they ultimately wanted to make in the beginning. That was the game they were shooting for, but the limitations were just holding them back. Yes, 1,000%. That's what they were kind of, like you said, aiming for at the beginning. And what we got was the original Monster Hunter, which, I mean, the first couple iterations of the Monster Hunter, because I have, I think, Monster Hunter Freedom on PSP, which I also didn't really care for. But the one, I did play, what's the one on DS that we both have that I put a ton of hours in? You put... Some hours uh, in. Oh boy, you put me on the spot there. I don't remember. Well, I might be able to look and see. It wasn't it Monster, Monster Monster Hunter Three Ultimate. Okay, yeah, that was good. Yeah, we did enjoy that, even though you had to kind of hold the controller weird. It kind of Tekken grip that bad boy, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it was definitely not made. The control screen wasn't made for a DS. But right, because I they were work. selling like adapters for that game if i remember yeah, like strange grips through your ds to play it yeah in japan you got like an extra stick that could just like <laughs> pop on <laughs> pretty cool but you didn't get that back on the ps2 you already had no it. you didn't you didn't need it <laughs> but yeah no that game that game was huge especially for the online scene um, capcom was definitely on to something and they knew it well what about buck i know you love this series what about this guy that was the next one I was actually going to bring up because that is probably just, I know we're going to talk about some of our favorite games. That's probably my overall favorite PS2 game is the original Disgaea. And one reason it just, there was nothing like it at the time. The humor came out of nowhere and it's basically the game is just, you know, Final Fantasy tactics on crack in all the best ways. Yeah. Well, what that a freaking... and it's the only Final Fantasy tactics we're getting now. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Except for, I guess it is the mobile garbage they release, but yes. <laughs> Truth. But yeah, the original Disgaea, I mean, the story was so good and quirky, and there wasn't a bunch of, you know, anime. Nipponichi was their first game over here. They weren't localizing a bunch of weird, obscure anime games, and the game itself was just kind of a parody on itself and the genre, and like I said, all the best ways. And it's been... I probably have it on four or five different consoles now. I got it on PSP, DS, um, Switch, PS2. Basically, if it comes out, I probably have a version of it on that system because it is one of my favorite games ever. And yeah, anyone who hasn't checked it out, you have no reason not to because it's literally been ported to everything at this point, which is kind of lame because it was like super rare at the time when I owned it, and now it's just kind of not worth anything on the PS2, but. Well, back, back when you got that one, it the series wasn't nearly as popular either, so you were kind of like the gatekeeper to that one. Yeah, I was. I was letting, I know, our buddy Cube, I let him borrow it, and then he... Well, that was a mistake. You never got it back, because I'm no, sure I had spent millions of hours in it. Well, he maxed out the people to 9,999, and he let his brother borrow it, who oh, boy. Is, is even worse. Oh, I know. So, yeah, the depth like, in that game is is crazy. Yeah, you can you can literally spend thousands of hours just pretty much on Disgaea. But yeah, if anyone hasn't checked it out, I guarantee if you own a platform that has it, 
So definitely give Disgaea, it's called Disgaea 1 now, Disgaea 1 Complete or Disgaea Hour of Darkness back then. Give it a shot. The sequel, Disgaea 2, is also on PS2, and um, the story wasn't near as good, but the gameplay is just as solid and it's still there. Yeah, and uh, isn't Disgaea 6 coming out next year? It's a Switch exclusive, which is kind of weird. That is odd, but it is a good platform for that kind of game. I mean, yes and no, because some of the maps can take like 50 minutes, and if you are on a handheld, that doesn't really... Well, I mean, you can put your you can put your handheld to sleep, though. That's, that's a good point. So, yeah, that's but, true. I mean, I, that, that's I my argument against, like, a PlayStation. Yeah, you can put your console to sleep, too, but... I guess the uh, Fire Emblem did okay on, on the Switch, so I think they'll be all right. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yes. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the reins on this one. I'm going to talk about one of my... This is probably my favorite Sony property. Um, and that's the Ratchet & Clank series. Got born and bred on the PlayStation 2. Four titles. Uh, the first three games. And then uh, the Deadlock spinoff that I've talked about in the past. Uh, a great third-person platform shooter. This is actually probably the closest to a platforming game that I like. This is kind of, it felt like that he kind of replaced Crash at the time as the kind of this unofficial Sony mascot, to me at least. Yeah, him and Jack, a little bit. But and I mean, even Sly Cooper, a tad, is another yes. one. Two yes. more coming up. Uh, but Ratchet & Clank was the one that I really gravitated towards. I think it was just kind of the, the fast-paced action. Uh, and it also has some elements of, you know, exploration and kind of like that Metroidvania stuff where you get power-ups that you can use to unlock different areas and backtrack and find secrets and stuff like that, plus RPG elements and just fun gameplay in general. Um, and then just a little bit of humor. So it was kind of right up my alley there. Yes, the total package. Really is. And then, as we mentioned, Jack and Daxter. I never really got into this franchise but also, it, the first game was much more of like a third-person platformer. And then the second and third one were more like open-world, third-person platform shooters, kind of like Ratchet and Clank, but much more like open-world. I think the first one was almost more of like a like an old-school collect-a-thon, too, if yes. I remember right. Yes, it was. I don't have, like you said, I also don't have much experience with these. I actually did get the... Uh the Jack collection on PS3 just a few months ago because I mean, it was cheap and these games, it's naughty dog. So I know it's going to be quality. So I might check these out one day, but I mean, I know they've gotten good reviews. I just can't speak much about it. Yeah. I feel like maybe the first one would be more up your alley, but I don't know. The only one I spent any reasonable amount of time with was Jack two. And uh, it was, it was fun and a little bit more dark than the first game. Like I said, it didn't really speak to me enough to stick with it. Uh, which also brings us to the next one. I never played much Sly Cooper myself either, and I don't know if you did, Buck, because I don't remember ever talking about it. I do have one of them. I didn't think it's the second one. And I also did get the collection again on PS3 of all of them, but they're I actually, of the, the three big platformers between, well, let's say Ratchet, then Sly Cooper, and then Jack would be my uh, my ratings for them, because I thought they were actually really good games and a lot of fun, but haven't um, beaten any of them, so can't say a whole lot. But yeah, I mean, they I'm have playing, really, uh, they seem to have really charming characters and graphics, and um, 
as far as I could tell, most of it was kind of... Um, it's definitely collect-a-thon for sure uh, on the first one. There's just a lot of uh, sneaking aspects. There's a little bit of a stealth with a collect-a-thon kind of mixed in there, and it sounds very weird, but it actually kind of works if you play it. Both Jack and Sly Cooper, am I, am I wrong in saying, besides maybe like some PSP games, they pretty much died on this console? Yes, I believe Sly Cooper did have a PS3 original game. It wasn't that popular, but yeah, they pretty much died on the PS2. Unfortunate. We need to get a revival on those. That would be good. Um, I can see, see Sly happening. I don't see Jack and Daxter because Naughty Dog's all gritty and dark these days. That's, well, yeah, they got enough other quality games they're working on. So we'll see how they go. Uh, let's see here. Another. Another franchise, the Prince of Persia trilogy. That was huge. Also don't have a whole lot of... I did. I do own Sands of Time and put some time into it, but I still can't speak a lot on it. Yeah, I played, I played a little bit of each one of them. I enjoyed 2 and 3 a little bit more. They were a little bit more combat-focused than the first one was. It's more of a... I want to say the more exciting parts of it are just kind of like platforming puzzles a little bit. Gotcha. And, and obviously the, the rewinding of time gameplay. It's a cool gimmick, for yeah, sure. It, it was cool back then. Um, and I don't... It's actually kind of a mechanic that I don't think is really overused. So I think if they wanted to bring the franchise back, or just like another franchise wanted to adopt it, by all means, go for it. Besides maybe Bastion, was that the last one that I remember using a, a function like that? Not Bastion. Um, Braid, you mean? Yes, Braid. Yeah, that yes, game so. was, it was really a good time. It was one of the standout hits of like the original Xbox arcade lineup in like 07, 08-ish. Mm. Yeah, we could we could have two episodes on that. That arcade, <laughs> that arcade lineup. Oh boy. Let's see here. So what else we got? Oh, we also had the Dark Cloud franchise. Yeah, and Dark Cloud 2 always looked cool to me. I guess there's a Dark Chronicle 2 across the pond. Uh, Dark Cloud 2 was an amazing game. Dark Cloud 1 was, for me, it was super underwhelming. And one of the big reasons why is I hate games that have, like, a a thirst and, like, food meter where you have to eat. Otherwise, you, like, start losing health in dungeons. That always frustrates me. But Dark Cloud 2 did away with that. And just like the the animation and character designs in that game, along with the gameplay, I, I absolutely adored it. It actually reminded me a lot of, and I'm sure this is probably a game that maybe not a lot of people have heard of. Did you ever play Threads of Fate for the PS1? Yes, from you. <laughs> oh, from me. Okay, yeah. there you go. Kind of reminded me a lot of that, especially the way like each one of the characters played, because you had your main character um, that was more of your like average like swordsman slash inventor and then your other character she could like turn into monsters and stuff mid-combat and that was something they did in threads of fate as well which i don't think they're they may be related i may not know enough about that they may, may be like spiritual successors but i don't think uh, dark so cloud, i could be wrong both of us could be wrong but yeah dark cloud uh two at least is a very good game and um we haven't seen any others since then have we no it's a shame yeah Ah, you want to talk on the Persona series on the PS2? Yeah, because that's another one of my favorite games I was going to bring up. Uh, Persona 3, I was uh, an early adopter, a fanboy right when that came out. 
And it was a, the first one of the series to have the whole uh, school simulator, dating simulator aspect of it. Which, at the time, I remember it came out, like, summer of 06, right after we uh, graduated. And I played it for probably 100 hours that summer and beat it. That game was a heck of a ride. I actually haven't... I like that more than 4 or 5, because to me, that kind of uh, burnt me out on the rest of the series. I don't think you it... Know, well, it may have burnt you out, but I think also it was your first experience there. It Yeah. Maybe... a. Those games are fairly similar. I mean, you could say 5 has maybe, like, better designed dungeons and things like that. Well, but... 4 and 5 do, because 3 was randomly generated, uh, Tartarus, the huge dungeon. There you go. But, yeah, I mean, they definitely have all gotten better. It's just that's a very um, time-intensive formula. But, my gosh, those are all three extremely quality games. And um, not easy, either, unless you're... Because you even have to pick and choose when you grind and... So you have you have to pick your days doing the social stuff or the studies are actually going up to train. So knowing you, you, you never grinded, so I know I was all those freaking social links, and I had a hard time with the bosses. I <laughs> know <laughs> nice. that's uh, absolutely one of my favorite games uh, on the PlayStation, the uh, Persona Three, and then they released Persona Three Fez, which um, was kind of a dumb epilogue in my opinion. But the original uh, base game, one of the few games about the collector's edition back in the day, and yeah, it's uh, really good and probably the uh, the worst of the new Persona games technically, but still my favorite. Well, you can't, we, you can't talk about Persona without talking about the Shin Megami Tensei series on the PS2 as well. Nocturne was fabulous. It was. It was. That's actually that's a really hard game. You gotta really know how to negotiate with those demons. You really do. Um, that was a good game. And what was the was it the Devil Summoner series was also on the PS2? It was, and Digital Devil Saga and the Devil Summoner yeah. series. So all those are on the PS2. Like well, we were talking about mentioned. before, so many yeah. RPGs. Yeah, <laughs> and all actually pretty good. Yeah, they're all all really solid, and they're all really expensive right now. So good luck. Probably. <laughs> yeah, that series has certainly shot up in price. Yeah, Persona I see, 5. I guess he had all of those Nocturnes, probably my favorite. It's the most, I would say the most unique, but I think that's how like most of the original games play that we never got, like the Shin Megami Tensei games. But most unique on the console, and yeah, it doesn't have all the, the school dating sim mechanics, so I could see that. Yeah, that's why I appreciated it more. It was, it, it was basically more like demonic Pokemon. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, it's a cool game. Plus, you can also recruit Dante from Devil May Cry and get him on your team, which was oh, cool. Oh, good lord. Not yeah, cool. I know. I know. You hate hearing about it. Yes, but here is Dante. a series of games that we both can talk about with glee, and that's the Animusha series. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Capcom. Bring it back. Now is the time. Seriously, they did a remaster of the first one like a year ago or something, didn't they? Yes. And then yes, they just they dropped it again? I, I guess. I was really hoping for an announcement. This would be amazing. So It would be so easy, too, just with their like Resident Evil engine, basically, they have. Just bring absolutely. it back. So Animusha was such an interesting design. It was basically this... It's like a it was, I don't remember Sam how Samurai Resident Evil, at least kind of the first one. Yeah, it was like a samurai survival horror game. Yes. And probably the last one we've ever seen. 
Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's nothing... it works better than you would think it does. Well, the the thing is now, if everyone makes like a samurai game, they're going to copy like Neo or something and try and make it all like FromSoft hard, or I guess they could do like um, the one that just came out that's basically like a Assassin's Creed samurai. For what oh, I heard, uh, for Tsushima. Yeah. So I'd rather not have like the huge open world there. I'd rather have the do an Onimusha survival horror. Yeah, because the original had tank controls. Yes, it did. That's why it reminded me so much of Resident Evil, because it does have those tank controls. And yeah. It has a, the thing where you go into the you know a different room, and then the camera shifts to the fixed perspective of that room. It's a, It doesn't sound like it really worked that well, but it actually works very well. It does. The way it's designed, where, like, the, the, most of the combat is done via melee. There's very few ranged options, especially in the first one. It's melee, and then you get uh, various magic abilities. Yeah, you have, like, your demonic arm or whatever in it, basically. Yeah, you use that to, like, absorb enemies and things of that nature. It's been a really long time since I've played the original. I think I actually remember the least about that one. Now, I remember the second one was also cool, but it had, like, a lot of those relationship sim things that the Persona series had. You had to, like, buy gifts for your teammates and stuff. It was a little weird. Which is very and, weird for that kind of game. Yeah, no, it was very, very weird. And then, actually, I think the pinnacle of the series was Animusha 3, where it was taken into more of a modern... Was it Was it in Italy? Is that what it, it was? You, the other dude was a Frenchman. I remember that. And it had yeah, to be Paris because the other dude was French. It was like Jean yeah. something. Yeah. And, man, that was that was something else. God, I wish I would have played him more recently so I could talk to him with a little bit more knowledge. But I remember at least the first and third game just blowing me away. And then the fourth game was disappointing because you couldn't unlock co-op. Or we couldn't figure out how to unlock co-op mode for it. <laughs> yes. We tried. That was the only reason we were we were excited about it, even though it was a new Musha game. By that point, I feel like some games did this on the PS2. They pumped out so many sequels, but by the time you get the third or fourth one in a few years, it's like, okay, ready for you a know, little bit of a break. You know, I don't know if I was ready for a break after the third one, because it was my favorite game in the franchise. I think I was ready. But I also think that the fourth Musha game came out like really late in the lifespan of the PS2. I don't know ex- exactly remember when, but to have four games in a franchise on one console is pretty good. That that's a lot, regardless of like how long the life cycle is, unless you're talking like the original Game Boy, where you're, you know, like twelve years, yeah, or whatever on the life cycle. And I really hope uh, it's not it's not the case that that game didn't sell well enough for them to actually continue making games for the the franchise moving forward. Well, I feel like it just didn't have any hype. I don't remember anything about it. I don't either. I mean, for the third one, you obviously remember all the commercials and stuff for it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean... He had yes. John Renault in it, so he, he they had to advertise the, the crap out of it. Exactly. <laughs> Very cool franchise. If you if you like uh, action games or you like horror games, it's I think it's a good one to check out for sure. And those games, from what I can tell, are not that expensive at this point. And I'll just uh, kind of transition to a series of a ridiculous amount of games coming on one console. How about seven dot hack games? Was it set only seven? 
Yeah, because it's the original four part, and then the sequel was a three part. I think there was some that only came out came out in Japan we didn't get, but yeah, the seven more core main games came out in the U.S. within probably like oh three to two thousand seven. What a cool idea that was! Now was that, that was I was so hyped an- for that. Was the were the games before the anime, or how did that work? Same time, like they, they released the games and anime at the same time, but the anime was a prequel to the games. Okay. I didn't remember if there was like an anime that happened beforehand and then the episodes that came with each one of the games was just to try and like, I don't know, bring them together. I didn't watch a lot of anime at that point besides like Dragon Ball. So the episodes that came with the games were, I think like the real world version of what was happening inside the games that you were playing. And then the, uh, the anime, like it was on TV there were a couple different ones. Like the main one, the 26 episode one was a prequel to the games. And then the other one was like a side story with the characters in the games. I think don't quote me on that. Cause I haven't seen all of it. I promise you, I won't, but a, <laughs> a cool idea that is overdone in anime now. Yeah. Sword art online is just drilled that into the ground. The whole, I'm in an MMO or game concept. Back in yep. 2003, though, it was brand new, and it was freaking epic of an offline, online game, which is basically yeah, what they hyped really it up. it was really novel, and I'm not, at the time, I wasn't actually sure how fun I thought the game was, but I thought the idea was so cool that it kept me going. The thing was, like, it was fun, it was a good time, it just didn't have the staying power to be fun through four different games of, like, 20 to 30 hours apiece. That's right. And do you remember the cadence of the release schedule for those? Yeah, they did it all through, uh, basically through 2003, I believe. So there one came out like in January and then like we got one in like March and then one over the summer and then the last one in like October. So they did them super quick. Mm, yeah, that would have been rough. Yeah, I would have got burnt out really bad. I got burnt out like halfway through the second game. That's exactly uh, where I stopped. I only have the first two. And I'm sure it, it would have been cool to go all the way through those, and I'm sure some people really loved those. And what about the what about the second series, the one with the the three parts? Did you play much of that? Um, I I have the first one, and then I also bought the uh, the collection on PS4, which is just on sale for like ten bucks. And anyone that has a good amount of time should pick that up because that's three full games, and then they actually added an epilogue on PS4 to make it a fourth game. So that's a ridiculous amount of content for uh, ten bucks. Oh, for but sure. yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it played way better. It was faster. It was definitely a better experience. It just I think just the hack and slashiness of it overall just would get old before it'd be tough to finish these days. No, absolutely. Well, I think that's perfect. We just segue straight into the Xenosaga series. A little modern RPG for you there. <laughs> this is one, this is a series that I think I was looking forward to more than you. I definitely think I appreciated Xenogears more than you did. Yeah, you did. You also had it several years before I got my hands on it. And well, yeah, that's because I bought all the copies in the world. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> it was rare back then. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, the Xenosaga series, three games, uh, three game trilogy. Definitely interesting. 
Uh, the one things that I definitely didn't like about it outside of I love like the world. I love science fiction RPGs for some reason, even though I don't love science fiction in other mediums. I did not love the endless amount of cutscenes that I had to watch playing these games. It was like watching, it's like playing a 40 hour long Metal Gear Solid game, except the cinematics aren't that interesting. I don't know how you felt about it, but that's how and I feel about it. Just to get the game started, it took like three hours to actually like be able to be freely moving. Like you had to watch the first cutscenes like 45 minutes or an hour to get started, then you get a little bit of control, and it's like another half hour, and then it was just, ah, too slow. And yeah, I like I will, the scenes and stuff like that, but good lord. I will say that first game is pretty linear. Like, between the cutscenes, I remember just being kind of, like, shoehorned in a direction. You get to play for, like, 20, 30 minutes, and then it's another cutscene. These, these were cool in the fact that they were futuristic, and, you know, there was mech action and stuff going on during the cutscenes. But the the gameplay and what That's you true. Were, yeah. Like some of it was cool, but it felt like too much effort to get to that stuff to make the the payoff worth it. And I maybe it was just not the maybe that game didn't hit me at the right time. Maybe that wasn't the type of game that I wanted to play then. I was playing all types of RPGs at that point. Both of us were. It just, it was so, there were just so many better options that were, had so much better pacing. It's like when there's these other 10 games I could be playing that I can actually get into the action and story right away where I can slowly, you know, slug through Xenosaga. I'm going to pick Disgaea or something else. No, I feel you there. I, I spent at least 15, maybe 20 hours in the original Xenosaga. Never made it to the second or third one. I know the second one's not supposed to be nearly as good as one and three it's a it's a franchise that i want to revisit but i still don't i, I have even less patience for games now than i used to so it's probably <laughs> we'll see how that that's goes. my big knock with uh with monolith in general is their games are certainly epic but almost uh almost too epic at least by today's standards like yeah I know you never you... make it through Xeno gears at this point well, you did you ever make it through Xenoblade? That's like a legit eighty to hundred hour game going through the main story. No, Xenoblade. You know, I, I I bought it when it came out on the Switch, and I was pretty excited about it. But the problem was, I think it came out right after Final Fantasy VII remake, and I was like okay. done. Yeah, it's like a month or so away. It was close. Yeah, I was done with like an action RPG. At that point, and it just like wasn't as enthralling as Final Fantasy VII Remake for many obvious reasons because I'm such a huge fan of Metal or Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> so Metal Gear, I was looking at Metal Gear for some reason. Um, <laughs> so I don't think I was in the right headspace for it because I do like Xenoblade. That's fair. I've tried it. Like I got it on the 3DS when it came out there. You know, I played it for probably 10, 15 hours. I like it. I just I have to be in a better mindset for a longer game. That's all it is. It's also, it's hard for me to get into a game anymore where I have to spend, you know, 10 to 15 hours to really get into the meat of the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Xenoblade is that bad, personally. I mean, 2 is, 2 is arguably worse, but the, I think to get, like, the real, the good feel for the battle system and to make that really fun, like, you have to get super far into the game. That's why, like, Xenoblade 2, Torna, which is technically the DLC, 
is like a completely amazing game because it just cuts all the fat from a Xenoblade game. And it's like a 25-hour well-told story in the gameplay is good from the jump. Yes, Buck. The listeners have heard all about it. We know. And they're going to keep hearing about it. We've got to get back on topic here. It's not. This is not about the Zeno series. So what other ones you got? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I don't have the list in front of me here. So. All right. Well, I can throw out some, and you can just comment on them. I'm down okay, with that. Work. Silent Hill 2 and 3, very important survival horror games. Silent Completely. Hill 2, considered one of the best of all time. I was going to say super beloved. I just haven't uh, personally played them. But, yeah, I know they're very, very well liked. Yeah, I love I love both of those. They're they're absolutely wonderful. Um, some of the some of the last so, well, definitely some of the last great Silent Hill games. The rest of them, moving forward, have been much less so. Even though I enjoy some of them, like I enjoy Silent Hill: The Room, uh, but I think two and three were the the last of the greats. Definitely creepier and more psychologically horrifying than the Resident Evil series. It's kind of if you like horror games, you're going to enjoy both. But if you prefer a little bit more action there, Silent Hill's not going to be for you. No, it's a thinking man's game, which I actually prefer that prefer that kind of horror in general in movies, like the thinking version versus just the jump scares and zombie stuff. So Every it'd probably time. be right up my alley. No, I think it would. I think it would be, and I think it's one of those games where the atmosphere and and the story is what keeps you going. It's not the gameplay. I mean, the gameplay is kind of rough, and it always was rough, but if you just kind of get into the characters and that, that, that atmospheric kind of tension, I think it's well worth revisiting even today. One that cannot go unspoken about on the PS2, that's the Grand Theft Auto series. While it didn't start <laughs> on the PS2, it, this is really where Grand Theft Auto came into its own. And Grand Theft Auto 3 was, I think it's undeniably one of the most important games ever released. Yeah, I mean, it basically started a whole genre of just, you know, go anywhere, do anything, 3D open world games, for, for better or worse. Yes. And I, I this is definitely one of the first games that I remember. You could just do whatever you wanted, even if it was, like, the least moral thing you could do. Yeah, the first and game where you could go run over hookers. A lot of people liked that. We had a lot of friends that liked that. <laughs> we did. Yeah, the Grand Theft Auto series is not uh, definitely not a franchise that we played a lot of, but we could definitely appreciate why people would have liked it. Yeah, we can certainly respect it, and especially the way, I mean, they're very, very high-quality games these days. Currently, I know 5 is, it's just, it's not my thing, but I can definitely respect that it's a, a super top-quality game, and Rockstar in general generally puts out good stuff. Yeah, and I mean, for its time, it was it was so ahead of its ahead of its day. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 2, or Grand Theft Auto 2, Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and San Andreas were were all fantastic games. San Andreas being my favorite, uh, and I believe it was the highest selling game on the PS2, which is not surprising because I think the Grand Theft Auto series probably takes up three of the top five slots, I'm sure. Almost guaranteed. And and even uh, Vice City, that made so many improvements over three. I mean, the games, they all got better, which is, I mean, impressive. They could have just easily, you know, reskinned it and threw out the exact same thing, but they worked on mechanics and, and gunplay and stuff got so much better in all the games, so kudos to Rockstar. Oh, yeah, no, they're they're champs, for sure. And 
And like I said, one of the most important franchises on the PS2 by far. And we're going to follow that up with another one of them, and that's going to be the Metal Gear Solid series. Yeah, two, two and three, three were, were on the PS2, and they were something else. Two was uh, controversial, and three was one of the most highly praised games, I think, ever. Uh, also a franchise that I did not spend a lot of time with past the first game. I love the original Metal Gear Solid. Great game on the PS1, but after that, I kind of stopped playing any of them. Three is very, very good. I mean, two was two is a bait and switch, which is just crappy when you hype up the whole time with your character and then switch main characters like two hours in. I mean, that's just a, a Kojima crappy thing to do. But three was uh, was very, very good and well done. I did finish, and that's probably I'd say probably my favorite Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah, I won't mention what my favorite Metal Gear Solid game is because I'm the only one that thinks it's the best one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I'll I'll admit it because people will get a kick out of it. But my favorite Metal Gear Solid game is literally Metal Gear Solid VR missions for the PS One. You played a crap ton of that game. I did play a crap ton of that game. That game has a ton of content and it's stupid fun. Not your traditional Metal Gear Solid game. It doesn't have any story whatsoever. Doesn't have a ridiculous plot. Maybe that's why I liked it. I don't know. <laughs> but I had a really good time with that game. It hit me at just the at the right point. What can I say? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, any well, other ones to touch on? We got a, we got a few more here. We can't forget about the Final Fantasy games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ten and twelve are. Very, very good games. Ten is probably my favorite mainline Final Fantasy game. I know it's definitely not yours. It's definitely not, but I will say that Ten Two is the game in the franchise that I want to like the most, but has the most design choices that piss me off <laughs> of, of like any game in the franchise by far. Yeah, they just did a, a terrible job with the... I mean, the battle system's amazing in 10-2. The, the uh, battle system, the job system is incredible. I just want, like, a dungeon crawler with those mechanics in it. Yeah, but, just the story and the, the direction they took things was definitely disappointing because I was I loved 10 so much, and I was so excited for 10-2, and then there there was, like, a good payoff in the end. But, yeah, some of the, a lot of the choices were head-scratchers for sure. Well, just, like, how specific you had to, like, do things to unlock completion in that game. Well, at one Ugh. time, too, to get the best ending, to get even a good ending, like, you had to exit a right time to, like, whistle at someone. And if you didn't do that, you just got a crappy ending. And I went no, that was blind. at the very end I of played, the game, I believe. I played for, like, 40 hours, went in blind, and got a crappy ending, and then had to go and redo it. Perfect. Well, that's why they had a new game plus, right? They did, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, that was like one of those like new game plus features in a game where it was like you had to use it. It wasn't just like a nice to have. There's no way Term? that you could get a hundred percent in that game. You could even get a hundred percent in that game if you had like a player's With, guide because none of them that's were what accurate. I was enough. Say. Yes, that's <laughs> what I was getting ready to say. Is Cube literally had the guidebook and still couldn't get a hundred percent? Pretty ridiculous. But yeah, Final Fantasy X. 10-2, uh, Final Fantasy 12, which took everything in a different direction, I think maybe because of following Final Fantasy 11, the first uh, online MMO that they put out. 
Um, I, I think 12 is my favorite on the console. I really like the combat. I like the characters. Um, I don't know how much I love the plot. It's probably a little too political. It's very cliche. It, it's of, uh... cliche and political. But uh, pretty much everything else I really like about that game. It probably has my f- does it have my favorite combat besides maybe ten two. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I'll be, I would say five's up there in my favorite combat too, just with the job system. But well, the job system and combat are I don't yeah I are those mutually. Exclusive You're considering those two different things. I gotcha. Kind of because I mean, if you if you go to like Final Fantasy twelve Zodiac Edition, they got a job system too. I'm not saying it's as cool, but anyway. Final Fantasy. Oh, we can't forget Durs of Cerberus was also on the PS2, and that thing's a hot pile of garbage. <laughs> yes, it's awful. Yes. So let's see here. What else we got? We got weird one-offs like Katamari Damacy and Beyond Good and Evil, which are also pretty critically acclaimed, but maybe they weren't like huge sellers on the console. Uh, yeah. Just trying to look through the library here. I mean, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. Those were huge. Yeah. Not yeah. our cups of tea, but really, beloved. Definitely, definitely popular. Can't forget Randy Kingdom Hearts. Two and three. Oh, well, oh for okay. sure. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts starting. Yeah. Well, Grandia 2 and 3. I mean, Grandia 2 came out on the Dreamcast before. Yeah. Two and had the PS2 version it, it does. It's one I have, so I mean, I have a lot of love for it still, but yeah, it's rough. And Grandia 3 and Grandia Extreme, both on the PS2, they're varying levels of okay. They're not the And that's one of the series. series that unfortunately died on the PS2. Yes. Absolutely adore 1 and 2. Some of the very best JRPGs of all time. 100%. And then Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I really loved both of those games. But after the second game, that's pretty much where I stopped playing the franchise. Well, when you have to wait 14 years for a true sequel, I mean, that can turn some people off. That can. I, I still have yet to play it. I know you have, and you've told me all of the nitpicks you have with it. I will play it one of these days, but beforehand, I need to replay the first two again. It, it's not bad by any means. It's just that I don't think anything could live up to the, a 14-year hype like that. And it's not like it... I mean, most games, there's 14 years in between. Like, there's nothing announced for till like, a year before... Like, literally in, like, 2006, they're like, we're working on Kingdom Hearts 3, and then they release it in 2019. Yeah, but, I mean, there was, like, 26 games in between. They just weren't the sequel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they're all okay. They're all fine. They're competent third-person action RPGs, but I just wasn't into it at that point. I was just kind of done. They took well, the it series... in many weird directions. Well, it really didn't, it, like, the combat didn't really evolve either much from the first one, honestly, besides active time events. The second one's combat, I think, evolved quite a bit from the first game. Um, if you went back and revisited them, you'd probably, that'd probably stick out to you. But after the second one, no, it stayed pretty consistent from there. I did revisit them, but I only revisited them on, like, the, uh, like the PS4 collection, so maybe they kind of fixed stuff, because it felt pretty similar. So maybe they kind of tweaked it a little well, bit or I also made think, it quicker. Well, I also think, and, and this is just my, you know, my professional opinion. So you know, it's it's word of God here. Um, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 2's combat gets much more complex towards the end of the game. And I don't know if you actually like played through. The I did two finish games. Kingdom Hearts one and two. Oh, you did. Okay, well then, yeah. then you know, you know I'm right. 
Well, Kingdom Hearts 2, I remember the biggest difference is all, like, the active time events. The active time events, and they also had one those, like, limit breaks and things of that nature. Like, you had those, like, special modes of combat you could go into. I don't remember exactly what they were, but... Yeah, like, the different, like, Keyblade transformations, or... I know that's not what they're called, but that's kind of what they are. It's been a long time. I can't really talk about it in, uh... Certainties, but I know I'm right. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, One but, more I'll mention, uh, Zone of the Enders was obviously really cool, to me at least, a very cool... Yeah, it was really cool to other people too, because it had a certain demo disc in it. <laughs> yeah, the Metal Gear Solid <laughs> 2 demo. Which I like Zone of the Enders way better than Metal Gear Solid 2, another probably not popular opinion, but it was the first mech game that really felt like a mech game. Yeah, both of those games were really good. I, the second one is is better, with too many escort quests. Yes, the escort missions are hard as balls, but other than that, it is a better game. Yeah, both of those were both of those were really good. If you're looking for like really short, fun action games, those were those were pretty amazing. What about the Suikoden series? Pretty much died on the PS2 with three, four, and five classics. I have. Yep, have three, don't have four or five. I know four is supposed to be, three's good, four is supposed to be sketchy, and five is supposed to be good again. And so we get in tactics, technically. Yeah, wasn't so, that on, like, the DS? No, that was on the PS2. No, I have, I'm yeah, looking right. at it. It's still sealed <laughs> right yeah, here in front right. of me. Good, you don't, don't open it. Leave it. I don't think it's supposed to be very good. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that one in the package. There you go. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> another one you should have left in the package was Beautiful Joe, even though I love it. <laughs> And you may have it for the GameCube. I don't. I that. do have it for the GameCube, but yeah, not a. But that was my a, a classic Capcom game. They, exactly. they were doing it all back then. I played the crap out of that at your house. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. You did. Oh, you know, both of us, both of us loved the DBZ games on the PlayStation Two. Some more than others. Yeah, the Budokai and the Tenkaichi series. I was Especially not a fan the... of Budokai. No, the original one, that was a super disappointment, but the Tenkaichi game, I mean, Budokai 3 was good, the first one was just bad, 2 was okay, and 3 was good, but the Tenkaichi games actually felt like DBZ. That was, those were awesome. Yeah, those were the precursors to the Xenoverse that people know and love today. Tenkaichi, I, we played the crap out of the first one. I remember when that yes. came out, that felt like the second coming. We were like, oh my god, this is Dragon Ball and Virtual On put together, this is amazing. Yes, this is actually, it's the first game that felt like Dragon Ball, because the Budokai games were just, like, straight-up one-on-one fighters. Like, you weren't flying around going nuts. Yeah, 2D one-on-one fighters, yeah, they were they were vastly different. It, there, there was space for both of them. I mean, there's things to be appreciated about both of them. Oh, for sure, because, I mean, the, the Tenkaichi, but the Budokai games by the third one were, were deeper fighting games. The Tenkaichi games felt more like Dragon Ball games. Yeah, Tenkaichi, the series itself, from 1 to 3, never evolved that much in the gameplay realm. It was all just about how many characters can we fit on this disc. Just like Xenoverse. <laughs> yes. I will say the one thing about DBZ Tenkaichi that I wish would come back in Xenoverse, and I know you feel the same way, bring back the Beam Struggles. Yes, that was awesome. That was so huge in the show that that always felt good when we were playing the games. Didn't you have to just like, did you just rotate the stick? Yes, like, you had the like, Mario Party style. Yeah, that was amazing. We would coordinate those on purpose. We would oh, yeah. Heck yeah. That was cool. 
I, I very much miss that. And that is, that's one of the reasons why I think Tenkaichi is, is still an absolutely fantastic game outside of the amazing roster and just, uh, obviously capturing us for, as fans of DBC. Yeah, we play, definitely played the first one the most. Um, I owned all of them, but never really played two and three all that much. Yeah, I don't own three. I know I played played a lot too, but that was just mainly me playing. But yeah, the first one we got the most time in. Let's see what else we got. Uh, we can't forget games like Max Payne. That was pretty big. And we we can can forget those as far as I'm concerned. But yes, that was that was popular. It, it was pretty big for for more, you know, action shooter. Casual players, Max Payne was pretty big. Bullet Time was a thing. Twisted Metal Black was one of the... It was not the last Twisted Metal game, but it was maybe the last really good one. And that was close to launch, too. I mean, that came out early in the life mm-hmm. cycle. And Champions then, of Norath was a good time. We'll get to that. But yeah, Champ- Champions of Norath was great. Both of them were fantastic. Great uh, Diablo-style uh, RPGs on the console. Champions of Norath was great because you could play multiplayer with... I don't know if you could do a multi-tap scenario with that You game. could. You yeah, could. You'd have it with four people. Uh-huh. I, I remember... I, I think... I, I'm pretty sure I played it with you, and I played it with a couple of other buddies in high school. Uh, both of those games. That was a lot of fun. I think besides Diablo 2 and Record of Lotus War on the Dreamcast, <laughs> that was like my first entry into action RPGs like that. Like um, PC action RPGs, I'd almost call them. Yeah. Well, they yeah, they call them like ARPGs now. Or, yeah. I love those a whole lot, and uh, the, those were some of the first ones I played. And then uh, the only other franchise that I, I want to bring up, and I'm sure there's other ones that are worth talking about that started on the franchise, or started on the PS2, was the the very, very first Lego game, which was Lego Star Wars. Which oh, I didn't even remember a that. A crap ton of games. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's big in its own right, but yeah, I got so, really nothing to say about that. <laughs> it, it was a good game. I like all those games. They're they're charming and and fun in their own right. So in saying that, Buck, I want to do a quick rundown on both of our top five favorite games on the console. Yeah, and then, like I said, it'll just be a, a quick rundown here. Not going to go too in depth. I already mentioned several of them here. Uh, Persona 3, we talked already about that. Fantastic if you love JRPGs. Probably not as good as 4 or 5, but still an amazing game and my favorite. Uh, Final Fantasy X, I just talked about how much I love that game. I know um, we get back to our countdown eventually. We'll be able to talk more about that. And uh, 3 I've already been mentioned, so Disgaea Hour of Darkness. That one also got a shout-out, too. And I've probably spent the most time out of those Three games on Disguise. I think it's the only one I went through like three or four different times and actually went through the game. And a couple we didn't mention, I played, I don't know, probably hundreds of hours of each of these. Uh, Smackdown, Shut Your Mouth. <laughs> Still the best wrestling game out there. We, uh, Me and my brother. Is that the one, that's the one with the rock on the front of it, isn't it? No, that one doesn't have. I think it's got like Triple H, Angle, Lesnar, and and someone else. But okay, uh, okay. SmackDown, uh, just bring it has The Rock on it. Got that one too. But that one's no, SmackDown. <laughs> that one is not near as good. It's SmackDown, shut your mouth. So Warzone created... sixty four. I know that. Oh, that's for sure. I think we created like forty different uh, 
different wrestlers pray for that game. We'd have me and uh, my buddy Dell, and then my brother Roy. We'd have Royal Rumbles on that thing with the multi tap and all the custom characters. I know you. I don't think you played it much with us, but you had a custom created character. I think. No, I remember. I, I played with you guys one or two times. I know <laughs> I was. I know. Yeah, you had a Guile's haircut. <laughs> I Fantastic. As yeah. I would have created myself. So many characters in that game and so many hours played. So, yeah, that one definitely um, lots of good times there and still my favorite wrestling game. And then uh, the last one, multiplayer, I played my buddy Dell an absolute ton. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Federation versus Zeon. That's a good one. Which is the first good Gundam game and still my favorite Gundam game. Yeah, I was going to say, still like one of the last great ones. <laughs> still waiting for really good ones. I'd say probably still the best one because, I mean, they have, still have the Gundam versus series going on, but now it's all online, so you can't mm -hmm. even play couch co-op anymore and like go through the story mode and stuff. I'm like, you yeah, I'd say before. the only one that really gives it a run for its money. Like, I liked the Dynasty Warriors Gundam games, but they I, were fun for sure. Yeah, it just wasn't quite the same. I get that. There's just no depth there, and every uh, when every character plays the exact same, like all those Dynasty Warriors games, besides your, your special, like those games are super fun for an hour or two, but then after that they kind of get old, whereas the Mobile Suit Gundam Federation versus Zeon was like a, it was a Capcom-made arcade game, basically, that was uh, just a really, really good, and we're huge Gundam fans, especially growing up, and it was the first good game, so it hit at the right time and put a lot of hours in that. Oh, yeah, that's a good choice. That, that's almost a hidden gem, really. I mean, I'd, I'd really say that is a hidden gem. But still get it for dirt cheap, so if anyone wants to check it out, definitely go for it. It won't set you back too much for all these PS2 games in about 5, 10 years cost an arm and a leg like every other generation. Yeah, yeah good one. So is that, I assume that's it for your top five. I didn't count them down. Yeah, that was uh, the only other it, one I'd probably throw in there would be the NBA 2K2. I played a ridiculous amount of time uh, back in the day with my brother. But yeah, I'd say those were probably the, the top five. Okay, well, I'll go with mine then. Um, I would say that my... I, it's hard for me to choose between Devil May Cry 3 and Ratchet and Clank Going Commando. It's kind of a coin flip. Those are... I thought they'd both be on there, actually. What do you mean? Both be on where? I thought they'd both be on your list. Are you are you like counting down number wise, or I was just no, I, I'm not. I'm just mentioning like my top five favorite games. I don't. I'm not really sure which one I like better. Gotcha. Pro maybe Devil May Cry three most days, but they're both fantastic games. Uh, Rogue Galaxy um, is a is a fantastic third person science fiction uh, RPG on the PS2. I think I talked about it on our our countdown already. I believe so. That is a hidden gem for sure. I think it did get re-released on a PS3 or 4 for just it's like on PS4. A... Okay. At least, yeah. Uh, I gotta go with the Guitar Hero series. Music games like that are, are held very close to my heart. I spent unlimited... I, I spent more than Smackdown hours on those. Yes, you did. Yeah. You're going with two, right, if you had to pick one? If I had to pick one of those, yeah, it'd be two and three. Uh, three the doesn't first have one... radium eyes, so it's gotta be two. Radiumize is a fantastic song. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for me, two and three are pretty much neck and neck. I love both of them. I think the gameplay in three is a little bit better, but the soundtrack in two is a little bit more. I don't know if it's necessarily better, but it's definitely more nostalgic. You played the '80s one a ton too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 
forgot about that. Yeah, I love the 80s one too. <laughs> Fuck the 80s. I'm like the only one that played that one. I, probably more than I should have. Um, let's see here. Wild Arms 5. Easily my favorite Wild Arms game on the PS2, and I love that franchise. Wild Arms 2 or 5 is uh, every bit, bit as good as any of the best games in that franchise, as far as I'm concerned. And definitely one of the last games that came out for the console. And then a couple of, of special mentions. Uh, people may be surprised that this may not be in my top five, and that's Resident Evil 4. Absolutely love that game, but it's obviously not an exclusive or anything for the PS2. Yeah, I still picture that as more of a GameCube game. Yeah. Well, I think we should also mention, I think the PS2 was way more even... I, I mean, the PS3 and the Xbox 360 still had it, but this is really, for me, the last generation where exclusives were really exclusives almost across the board. My, yes, my for sure. Games. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 certainly wasn't. It's been ported to everything, including your Texas Instruments at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> so, it's been doomified. Uh, one other one i got to mention that I'm amazed you haven't brought up yet, and I don't know if it's going to be in, in your hidden gems or anything, but that's Virtua Fighter 4 Evolution. Yeah, that's a, it's definitely an, an awesome game, and one we put decent amount of time in. Had some good times going back and forth with that one. Yeah, we had, we had a, a couple of play sessions where we played that. That's a, that's a really, really good, deep fighting game. You've probably got some save files on a memory card somewhere with us going back and forth on that. Oh, no, absolutely. Oh, yeah, you could save your replays on that. Was that one yeah. of the first games you could do that on? That's the, one of the first ones I remember, because I know it took up, like, a crap ton of memory, so I never used yep. it, but I know you, you have, like, 75 memory cards, so... This is true, I did. I, I, I was fortunate. Oh, also, Virtual Fighter 4 Evolution was one of the very first fighting games that you could play where you could actually, like, customize your fighters with, like, accessories and stuff, which was cool. And kind of like an arcade campaign mode. Yeah, and they used like AI from the best players in Japan for some of the arcades to emulate it. It was, it was ahead of its time. Hopefully, they when they reboot Virtua Fighter, it'll be it'll be good. Fingers crossed. All right, so Buck, you have any hidden gems you want to mention? I mean, there's Growlancer Generations is one of my favorite games in the system. Uh, Brave Fencer Musashi Two. Mm. Is actually a, a really good game that doesn't get any love. I mean, we didn't mention the Tony Hawk series, but Tony Hawk 3 I played oh a God. lot of hours for right. on there. I always consider that more for the the PS1. Yeah, that's true. It just kind of evolved and I think like hit its peak with the PS2. But yeah, Tony Hawk 1 and 2 on PS1, for sure you could argue that. Um, other than that, I mean, Okami's been ported to death at this point, but it was really cool uh, back in the day at but yeah, we could mention several more, but I'll just stop there. <laughs> well, okay, so I have a I have a handful here too. I think probably the least known of mine is probably Blood Will Tell. This is a, an interesting samurai-inspired third-person action game, and this game is is interesting in the fact that it it, it reminds me a lot of Sekiro in a way, except I actually like it. It's <laughs> probably a hot take. Um, Especially but it has you hunting down Sam like Man. all of these these like yokai beasts throughout the world, and at each one that you kill, you regain like a certain part, like a body part, because they've like stolen like your being, and you're just kind of like a husk of your previous self. And you and over the course of the game, 
and regaining your body parts, you get like different weapons or like increased health and stuff. And I just remember that there was just like a bunch of like really crazy and cool design bosses. And then you'd eventually like unlock like a bazooka for your kneecap. You'd like lift up your leg and just launch a, a bazooka shot and then just jump the game where you like didn't you had like blades for arms or is that a different yeah. game? I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I do remember oh, that, that game. It. Okay, yeah. cool. You got blades coming. It was just it was just nuts. And it was cool, and uh, it's very rare. So a game that I wish that they would port over to like digital or something, because I think people would really get a kick out of it. Um, another in that same kind of vein is The Mark of Cree. I think you played this one, didn't you? Yeah, that's actually, I just saw that it's on, on sale on PSN right now for like seven bucks. Yeah, that was a really cool third-person action, also kind of stealth game. Very cool mechanics. Still probably pretty solid to this day. Yeah, but that would still hold up. And I think there was a second one, too. I never played that. It, it may have been as good, but it may have just not have been much of a leap forward. Two of my favorite hidden gems, definitely, is uh, Rygar and Gungrave. Two very different games. The Rygar was more of, like, a poor man's God of War, but Rygar Before was... God of War, so... <laughs> yeah, well, it was definitely was before God of War, and it reminded me a lot of of God of War and kind of like Castlevania mashed together. If anybody's played the Rygar on like the NES, was that the last one that came out before this? I don't even know. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it was because you have that whip kind of thing, basically. Your you have your like extendo like shield. It has like a whip yes. attached to it. You throw it around and you get all these like God powers and you can summon different like beasts and things. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but it is kind of just like that, that third person uh, action adventure game, and it's really cool. And if you, if you're any fan of God of War, just like third person action games in general, I think Rygar is cool. And Gungrave um, is more of a third person arcade shooter based on anime. Well, it's not actually based off of an anime. The game actually started the anime, from what really? I really okay, because yes. the anime has got a, like I have the anime, and it's actually decent. So that's surprising. From what I read, and I. This may just be old information, and I may have missed something. The, this game actually started the anime, and then the other games kind of shot off. The okay. Like it, it just, it's a really just like over the, uh, the game is anime to begin with. So it, it would, the, the spinoff seems easy enough for them to make a show off of it. But it's just tons of quirky enemies. And just over-the-top action, gruesome gunplay, and just, like, really ridiculous special powers and things like that. Super fun. Not very long of games. Like, the first game was, like, two hours long. There were, like, six stages. Okay. Uh, and the second game was, like, six hours long and had other characters and stuff you could play as. But I don't know. Did you ever play the original? I did. I played the original at your place. Okay. Did you think it was fun? Yeah, it was a good time. It kind of reminded me a little bit of... a. Uh... Devil May Cry-ish. Well, it's Devil May Cry, except there's not a ton of, like, melee combat. It's and, more guns, yeah. Yeah, it, it's more slow-paced, because your character moves around fairly slowly, because he's like an undead brute. and he He's has like an undertaker, basically. Yeah, he has his coffin on his back that he can use to, like, block attacks, and he also and it's also like a rocket launcher and stuff built into it. Um, but yeah, it's very... Just, like, over-the-top and stylish is the best way yes. to describe it. It's mostly Heavy on action. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Another one very similar to that is God Hand. I, I think this is a hidden gem, but I think it's recently... It must be really hard, isn't it? 
it is it is very difficult. Uh, I didn't spend a ton of time with like I never finished this game. I appreciated it, but it wasn't a game that I got into at the time because I think I actually got it pretty late in my PS2 collecting lifespan. But it is very very quirky. It it should have an anime based on it. So a cool game. I think that one's actually fairly expensive at this point, though. I think it's gotten a lot, it's gotten a lot of hype over the recent years because I've actually seen a decent amount of stuff about it on YouTube. So I think it's probably like ballooned the price a little bit. Probably. Uh, I'm glad it's getting a little bit more credit because it is a cool game. Another one by Capcom. They could do no wrong in that generation. <laughs> That's true. So those are my hidden gems. Buck, do you have any just like any other like general memories from that time that we haven't talked about yet? I mean, it's <laughs> the only other memory I have of sinking a crap ton of hours into a game. Um, Jeopardy on FPS2. We put a lot, a lot of time into Jeopardy between uh, me, my brother, and my cousin, my buddy Dell. Um, you were on there. We could consider Jeopardy a handful of times. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's the classic game. It's a lot of fun. But just that, I mean, it, the PS2, more than anything, reminds me of that time period kind of in general. Of just like the middle school, high school days and, um, you know, everybody getting together, a lot of multiplayer stuff on there, just a lot of free time in general. So, no, just Where were you good just hang out for like five to ten hours straight? Yep, just like have no, uh, no worries. <laughs> oh, absolutely <laughs> not. A paper or something due, that's about it. Test coming up. Yeah, simpler times. Don't I guess. worry about it. It's not Sunday. Right? <laughs> not Sunday night. Sunday night about nine o'clock. Yeah, no, it was definitely a, a simpler time. One of my memories of the PS2, and this is this is one of my memories of my parents. My parents almost never got me new games, which ended up being a blessing uh, once I grew up. I understood it. I got it completely. <laughs> uh, but the PS2 marked the first time, besides on the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color, me my my parents got me like Pokemon and like Pokemon pinball and stuff, like for when we went on family road trips. But it was the first console game that my parents ever bought me at full price. And it blew my mind that they decided to actually get it for me because I obviously asked for it. And that was Castlevania Lament of Innocence. I asked for it, but I knew I wasn't going to get it. And that just made it that much sweeter when I opened it on Christmas morning. You're like, no way. New yeah. Game. I was just what like, the there's, no, there's no way. This can't be real. Uh, so I was obviously very excited about that. That game, I love it for nostalgic reasons. It has an age that I don't well, love it. No. I played the living crap out of the game after I got it. I was like, well, my parents just spent like 60 bucks on this game. And it wasn't that I didn't want to play it, because I did. And I play, I beat it like three or four times like over the course of like a week, week and a half over Christmas break. Well, plus, obviously, it's it's Castlevania for you. I mean, for me, like, I don't even hate Mega Man X7. I mean, it's, I know it's a, kind of a crap game, but it's still a Mega Man game and still not that bad to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as good as Mega Man X8. That's true. Or the other <laughs> Mega Man X game, yeah. but still. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a series that's beloved, I mean, I also, I think I like Castlevania Curse of Darkness more than Lament of Innocence. But, I mean, they're kind of a little different. But yeah, it's just it, it's a little bit more nostalgic for me. It's special for me in that in that regard. Another thing, the PS2. This was the first time I can remember, and it definitely wasn't the last time. This was the first time that I actually started. Me and my dad started buying games before we got the console. 
So I remember actually having like 10 to 15 games before I ever actually got one. I remember I already had like Devil May Cry, Final Fantasy X, uh, and several other games already lined up. And I remember uh, Devil May Cry was the first game that I played. And I remember just how cool that game felt. Like the second room you go in, you're fighting the dolls. And just the action games had evolved once you figured out that you could like uppercut an enemy into the air and then just shoot your pistols into them until they die. Now, at that time, that was one of the coolest feelings I'd had in a game. I was just like, this is this is bizarre and wonderful. I've really broken Buck down with that one. He's over there crying. It's emotional. <laughs> I was on mute talking. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> I said the. Uh, I don't think that you have to reach for the Kleenex box. So so sad. And, uh, I was gonna say the uh, PS one to two was kind of the last big jump from a console generation. Just the games in general, like the. The action games on PS1 versus PS2 is the last time I really remember feeling like, obviously there's a graphical leap every time, but it was ginormous again. From the PS1 64 over to PS2, Xbox, GameCube, and then Dreamcast is kind of kind of somewhere in the middle, closer to the PS2 stuff. But that was the last big jump I can remember like in gaming. like There was nothing like Devil May Cry on PS1 or 64 or Saturn. Absolutely. And they were, I mean, at that point, they were still figuring it out because, I mean, it's a night and day difference between how good Devil May Cry 3 is over the original Devil May Cry. But the original Devil May Cry, when it came out, it cannot be understated how cool that was, how novel that was. Yeah, same with, like, the original Ratchet and Clank, too. Like, that was just yep. so new and fresh at the time. Like, nothing like that could have been really possible on the last generation, so... It was just such a big leap. Like, even PS4 to 5, like, obviously it's nice, and we got ray tracing and all that good crap, but <laughs> I don't really think there's that. It's not that big of a leap. It's not that big of a difference. I do love reflections in my water puddles. They're just making That's every true. game damp just for this ray tracing crap. <laughs> they made Spider-Man de-aged. He got, like, 10 years younger, too. That's Perfect. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see the, the, re the remaster or whatever they're doing? I, I have I haven't seen any details on it yet. No. Where like they redid like his face instead of being like he's supposed to be like late twenties in like the Spider-Man PS4 game and he looks like he's like twelve in the PS5 game, which is very is very odd. Like, like Tom Holland now. <laughs> he does look more like Tom Holland instead of supposed to be like a you know late twenties Peter Parker. He looks like like a fifteen year old Peter Parker. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah, Shout out to Tom sure. Holland being in the new uh, Uncharted movie. I thought you were gonna yeah. say like a listener, some shit, Tom Holland. <laughs> no, I I saw an image of Tom Holland as uh, Nathan Drake on I think it was on Twitter this week. I was like that'd be an, an interesting movie. I hope it doesn't suck like every other one. And, I mean, it's it not it's like not gonna suck nearly as bad as Monster Hunter. Let's be real. No, that looks terrible. But he seems mm -hmm. like a very odd choice for that because I picture him as like a kid. Where I picture Nathan Drake as like a. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. I was going to say a picture of him like a gristled 30-something or 40-some-year-old dude. Yeah. Damn your thoughts. They're not They're not correct. No, I, I think it, I think it's cool that they're not trying to just recreate the, the games. I think a prequel is probably a good idea. Yeah, that's so. definitely a good idea. We'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, it is a it is a video game adapted, adapted movie, so it's going to suck. <laughs> 100%. 
Let's see here. I think that's about it for me, unless you got anything else. I think that is too. I mean, I'll just I'll just reiterate. I think the PlayStation, the PlayStation One and the PlayStation Two, were really the consoles that cemented me as a gamer. If you want to coin yourself as one, uh, that was really where I really fell in love with the uh, the hobby in general. I mean, obviously, Pokemon and the Super Nintendo is what started it all. But the, I think the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2 are really what cemented it overall. What good consoles. Just, yeah, they definitely are. And I was just saying, that's the time, for sure, the years when we had the most free time available to be able to game was the, the PS1, PS2 era. How lucky we were. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would, I would be... Uh, I, it, it's one of those things, like, you... I can't tell. In hindsight or whatever, I'm glad that I grew up playing games in that generation as opposed to growing up now. And, like, I, I would hate to think if I was, like, playing games like Fortnite or... Yeah, I would... Well, I, I would know. just say, just for the fact that, like, if we, were, if we were that age now, I don't feel like we'd ever be actually hanging out with each other. I feel like, hey, what time are you getting online? And it would just be... Yeah, be doing a that little bit. Versus... I didn't. I didn't consider that. And I'm not saying these games are bad. They're they're fine. I don't have. I haven't spent much time with them. But I feel like there's a lot of homogenization and, as you said, just anti-socialness. Like you cannot. You can't recreate like sitting on the couch next to someone, being able to actually talk and insult them from three inches away versus doing it over a microphone. It's not yeah. the same. Hanging out with your buddies next to you versus, you know, virtually, it's just not the same. Yes. It's just an intangible, I don't know really how you describe it, but the couch co-op will always be king to me. Yeah, it's just a different kind of socialization practice, and uh, someone that hasn't experienced it obviously won't understand it, but yeah, it, it's definitely uh, worth mentioning there. So, so yeah, the PlayStation 2, Happy 20 years. Still crazy. Yeah, 20 still years. crazy. Uh, so many hours and uh, years of fun for the both of us, for sure. And definitely a lot of our friends. And for the 155 million units that were sold, good on you, PlayStation and Sony. Yep, I'd, absolutely. I'd say you're at your peak then, for sure. I would agree, especially after the stumble of the PS3 coming up. Yeah. You've got time. You've got time to get back to that former glory, but I'll be as critical as any of them. I just so, want good games. That's, that's right. The games are what's important, not the hardware. So I'll say it again: Happy 20 years to the Sony PlayStation 2. And as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs>